0: Welcome into the Talking Tide podcast once again. I am Chase Goodbread of NFL.com and Crimson Cover Television. I'm joined by Travis Ryer, the longtime senior analyst at BamaOnline.com and also the host of Southern Fried Sports Radio at 100.9 FM in Tuscaloosa. It's the Sunday night, Nighter. We're going to be breaking down the Alabama Arkansas game and plenty more. Twitter feed, Talking underscore Tide. And of course, you can get Talking Tide at our web host at podbean.com. Also iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and TuneIn. We want to thank our fine sponsors, Heat Pizza Bar, North River Dental Associates, and Southern Alehouse. More on them a little bit later. But up front, Travis, we look at this Alabama blasting of Arkansas, 52-3, to the final score. It seems like it's been some time since anybody gave Alabama a game. This game no different, uh, a runaway on the road, And a game that, that, Travis, I got to tell you, I I thought it was interesting the way Arkansas decided to at least attempt to play some defense on this uh, juggernaut of an offense on the Alabama side. You and I talked about it in the midweek podcast that if they were going to play soft zone, they were going to pay a price on the ground. They pretty much did, uh, but... You know, they held Devontae Smith in check. They, 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 Mac Jones didn't complete a single pass of more than 25 yards, only one pass of more than 20 yards. Uh, and yet, at the end of the day, the final score reads no differently than a lot of people would have.
1: Yeah, you know, and look, red zone success, it still matters for all these explosive plays that we see these days. When you have an offensive line and a running back situation, like Alabama has headlined by Najee Harris, you get in these goal-to-goals against an inferior opponent and the ball's still going into the end zone. So, again, sort of a pick-your-poison scenario with this Alabama offense. Uh, Arkansas did do a nice job for the most part. Now, the field conditions obviously were an issue for Najee Harris, uh, for Alabama in general on offense, it seemed like. He didn't have Evan Neal. At the right tackle position Chris Owens I thought played really uh, a nice game uh, in Evan Neal's place but we know what Evan Neal is capable of alongside Emil Ecuor there on the right side of that offensive line so you had some things in play that maybe from the outside you didn't anticipate as much and you look at the final numbers Alabama runs for 216 but 80 of those came from Jace McClellan there late late in the game on the long touchdown run so that can be a little deceiving as well. But I thought Mac for the most part, did a good job of not taking the bait, you know, just taking the checkdowns. It was an Alex Smith in his prime sort of performance with all the checkdowns. It's a little Tom Brady-esque as well, right? Uh, Got to stay patient in that scenario. I thought he did it. And then again, uh, when Alabama had opportunities in the red zone, except for a fumble by Roydell Williams there uh, in the fourth quarter, Uh, Did a nice job, 5-for-5 in the red zone as far as touchdowns go.
0: You you mentioned the slippage on the turf at Arkansas for Alabama's running backs. That definitely seemed to be a factor, particularly early in the game. I'm not so sure it didn't play a role, Travis, in the Christian Harris injury. Because it it was 38 degrees, which isn't too, too cold. But it doesn't have to be 10 degrees on game day for the turf to be especially hard. And I'll tell you, if, if you go back and look at the lows in Fayetteville during game week, here you go, 29, 28, 17, 19, and 25. So that turf had a whole week to get frozen up. And when Christian Harris got hurt, uh, that wasn't contact with a player. That was contact with the ground that, did, that caused that injury.
1: Yeah, and you know they had a good bit of rain on Friday, so it was softer. But who knows? With the freezing temperatures, maybe it froze up uh, overnight on Friday. So you're right. There was a there were uh, external factors that Nick Saban doesn't like to have to maybe consider at times uh, that were in play. I, I thought it was interesting too because we've heard the conversation about an expanded playoff, and I'm not trying to go down that rabbit hole. Trust me, I'm just talking about in a scenario where you do go to an expanded playoff and you start designating home venues on campus venues, right. Uh, In the first round or something like that. Well, this is the type of situation you could have. We've never seen mid December football on campus at the college level. Uh, Typically, you know, by this time, you know, bowl games, obviously, you you see a lot of those played outdoors Uh, typically in, In reasonable climbs uh, from a weather perspective or just outright indoors, like we're going to see this week with Alabama and Florida in the SEC championship game. But, you know, it was something that got me to thinking about an expanded playoff. And if you play games uh, on campus in the early round or two, uh, what you might have to deal with in those situations
0: what you make of the out the uh, alligator tackle as it's called that Devonte Smith uh, wasn't real happy with on that punt return looked like he felt like uh, he got twisted up a little bit almost, almost felt like a, a, one of those old school FSU Florida games, like a Darnell Docket kind of play or something, you know?
1: <laughs> yeah, it did. Uh, I'm sure it wasn't funny. It wasn't funny to Devante. You could see that. And, um, You know, it's unfortunate, but that's something you see not on a weekly basis, I wouldn't say. But, uh, yeah, that that would not have been good, you know, in a game that was pretty much meaningless as far as the SEC standings go uh, to lose a guy like Devontae Smith to a situation like that. I'm sure Nick, you know, Nick likes to send those videos in, right, Uh, every week to that uh, SEC officiating coordination office and uh I'm, I'm sure that one made the tape you think chase It'll
0: will it'll be on the reel yeah the I'll, first
1: I'll... one the first it was it was a one
0: yeah that's for sure if i had that's...
1: different angles slow motion everything you know
0: you you name it yeah that'll be on the uh the highlight reel the low light reel we'll call it for uh nick saban's uh offer to uh yeah submission the office yeah. Alabama defense, Travis, a lot of big plays on that side of the ball. They recover three fumbles. They get an interception. There's eight sacks, ten TFLs. Uh, definitely the most disruptive Alabama's defense has played against anybody all season long. Uh, a couple sacks each for Christian Barmore and Will Anderson. and A lot of twisting and stunning and looping with those guys, Travis, seemed to catch Arkansas off guard.
1: Yeah, it's something that they've been getting better and better with in recent weeks. Those, those twists and those stunts, those te twists, and even with the tackles inside, they'll do it some. Uh, better and better coordination, I would say, on those. And you know that's a problem if you're Florida looking ahead to this week because you know with what they're able to do at the corners and at the star position with Malachi Moore and. You know, their safeties have improved over the course of the season. and You start getting consistent pressure with a four-man pass rush, especially against an offense that really can't run it effectively, uh, that's problematic. Uh, but Will Anderson, man, he has straight up gotten the, the sack bug here now. He's got five in the last three games. You talk about the last three games for Will Anderson and Christian Barmore, I think it's nine combined that they've put together in the last three games. Um, So those are the two guys that you were looking at going into the season. Far more inside, Will Anderson outside. Uh, It wasn't always consistent. It was a little bit slow in coming, although both those guys were able to affect the passer, as Nick Saban likes to say, on occasion. But now we're seeing much more so along the lines of finishing on the quarterback here down the stretch.
0: I've kind of been calling for more from the inside and Barmore definitely answered that bell playing the best football he's played all season. looks to me, Travis looks like a really a a very much a different player than the one who in September was coming off a knee injury and, and seemed to be maybe a step slow out of the gate.
1: Yeah, I think you're right. And I think what's helping too. And it's something we've talked about. I know you've talked about too here on the podcast Is you're not just getting it from those two guys. I mean, in their four-man pass rush, you know, when they go with Barmore inside and then they've got Allen and Anderson on the outside and they kind of go with that three-man look, which makes them a little more unpredictable in terms of where it's coming from. And a lot of times, again, it's not five plus guys. It ends up being just four, but you're not sure exactly who that fourth guy is going to be. They're getting it inside and outside, which really restricts pocket navigation for quarterbacks, right? I mean, you can't really step up. You can't go out the back door. Um, so they're, they're doing it in a, in a coordinated and unified effort that's benefiting all those guys up front. And it's showing up in, what'd you have, six, seven different guys with sacks of the eight uh, on Saturday?
0: Big night, yeah, for that defensive line. Shane Lee got into the sack act. It was one for you, one for you, you pretty much, especially in the second half. Uh, So definitely happening at just the right time as Alabama enters postseason play. Uh, Jaylen Moody stepping in for the aforementioned Christian Harris. Travis wanted to get your thoughts on his performance—a pinch hitting role—and he had to come in and play four quarters because uh, Harris was hurt very quickly. Might I think it was first play of the game, as a matter of fact, or close to it? Moody comes in. Uh, was it a was it a step up night for Moody, or was it a struggle, or kind of a mix, in your opinion?
1: No, I thought he was great, I and mean, he tied for the team lead in tackles with seven. Uh, he had a forced fumble. He had a fumble recovery. I think he had a half tackle for loss, you know, and the thing you liked the most about Jalen Moody was that he was plugged in, uh, as soon as he came into the game. And I think that's where his time in the program helps, you know, this wasn't a year ago when you were throwing true freshmen out there, right? This is a guy that's been around for four years or going into his fourth year, uh, this season. So, you know, it should be a situation three or four years into his development, where you feel comfortable with him as an option and kind of, again, some of the lumps that they took last year or even the last two years in terms of their inside linebacker depth, it's become more of a strength this year. And you saw it with Jalen Moody on Saturday. I think Josh McMillan's done some nice things when he's been in there at the mic position, you said set it with Shane Lee with a sack. So, uh, you know, they have some really nice options. It's, it, it the, the Harris situation isn't ideal. I mean, he's the guy, he's your leading tackler. He's the guy you want out there this week. Uh, but if it works out where he's either limited or can't quite go, I think Jalen Moody showed you enough on Saturday to feel at least confident about his ability to hang in there. Now, the problem with Florida this week is, is, is going to be matchup driven in terms of how they use their backs in the passing game. We'll get into more of that in the midweek. But uh, the challenge will be a little bit different this week with Florida too.
0: Christian Harris has a chance to play against the Gators, according to Nick Saban. I imagine uh, when we reconvene for our midweek podcast preview in the SEC title game, we'll know hopefully a little bit more about Christian Harris's playing status uh, for the game against the Florida Gators. I guess call him questionable for the moment. Uh, finally, Travis, uh, before we close out talking about this game, Will Reichard. Quietly completes a perfect regular season for the Crimson Tide. No missed field goals, no missed PATs. Uh, what about it, your former kicker? You, you almost wonder if you, you almost wonder if uh, if if he wouldn't be better off missing one just to get it out of the way, or no? <laughs> just
1: keep rolling. No, no, no. You just keep rolling, especially with the way he's striking the ball. You know, this isn't a situation where he's perfect, but he's maybe been lucky or he's had some kicks that weren't hit particularly well that still somehow managed to work their way through the uprights. Pretty much everything he's kicked this season between extra points and field goals has been dead solid perfect. Uh, It's not just that he's making these kicks. It's that they look really, really good in the air. They're not straying too far from center. Uh, And that was the case again on Saturday Saturday. He got him going with that 45 yarder that was actually closer to 46. But um, and, and and you know what he's got he's got an experienced operation that he's working with. Thomas Fletcher's an outstanding snapper. Uh, Mac I think has improved as a holder this year. Uh, I know you ask, well, how can you trust me? Holders can certainly improve, and a lot of them need to. But the operation is really good. And uh, Will Rikert's just in a groove right now. I know the analogy to golf and kickers, it's tired. I get it. I get tired of hearing it. But that's really what it looks like right now with Will Riker: His tempo, uh, his consistency in his strike. Uh, it's kind of like watching Justin Thomas right now on the PGA Tour with, a, with say, a seven iron in his hand, you know, looking, looking down the barrel of a pin. He, he's that kind of guy right now kicking the football
0: for all the struggles that Alabama's had over the years at the kicker position, there there should be a parade in the streets for the the season. (laughs) This guy's had shouldn't there. I mean, come on. I I guess it goes by quiet because of these blowout scores, right? They haven't needed him to win one. So people don't remember how how strong he's been.
1: Exactly. Well, what you like most about his season is he's kicked a hell of a lot more extra points than any other kicker (laughs) in the sec. So, Not to devalue what he's done, uh, but we talked about this last week. This isn't a season in which you've had like Lee Tiffin attempting 35 field goals back in 2009. Uh, They've put the ball in the end zone at a high rate. But uh, when he has had the opportunity, he's been absolutely perfect. So uh, it's been a great run for him. And uh, Mm -hmm. you're happy for him because he had the kind of injury, he had the kind of injury for a kicker that would be similar to say like what Trey Sanders was coming off of with his ankle or his foot, you know, a year ago. It's not the kind of injury you want when you start talking about hips and things like that. And I'm talking about whether it's on your kicking side or your plant side, that's, that's no bueno either way. So uh, you're happy for Will Reichard that he's not only had the success he's had, but just been able in the, in the first place to, to compete now, kickoffs are a little different this year. You're not seeing these guys really find the end zone much, but it's not something that has hurt them uh, tremendously to this point. We'll see moving forward. They've got to continue to be on red alert when it comes to coverage because uh, you know they're they're Chase Allen, Will Riker. They're they're not guys that are getting the ball into the end zone very much.
0: Talking Tide Podcast at podbean.com, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and tune in. The Twitter feed is talking underscore Tide. We're going to thank our sponsors right now. Uh, We're going to start by telling you a little bit about North River Dental Associates and the job that former Alabama football player Dr. Jack Smalley and his professional staff of dental hygienists can do for you and your family's dental needs, whatever they may be. They do it all over there at North River Dental. It's easy to find right off of 82 on uh, Watermelon Road in Fairfax Park. And whatever kind of dentistry you might need, laser dentistry, endodontics, teeth whitening services, pediatric dentistry for the kids, porcelain veneers, dental implants, they do it all over at North River Dentist. On a routine cleaning, they are going to typically have you out of there in less than an hour. That includes your weight. That's weight plus chair time. You'll be less than an hour getting out of North River Dental on your twice a year cleanings you can give them a call at 752-3506 to make an appointment also make an appointment online at northriverdentist.com it's north river dental associates
1: i'm going to tell you about southern ale house out there also in the indian hill section of tuscaloosa like north river dental you're going to find southern ale house at 1530 mcfarland boulevard north and you already know that i'm sure you've been to southern ale house but so many great options and on Sunday by the way, uh you had a big brunch opportunity there at southern alehouse you had uh looked like some really good over easy over medium eggs on some country ham and some good looking hash brown potatoes yeah they can do brunch too there they do do brunch too uh right there at southern alehouse we've also told you about the catering opportunities for you during the holiday season. Look, it's stressful enough. Let Southern Ale House take the culinary wheel for you during the upcoming holiday season. Get that Christmas order in by this Friday, this Friday coming up, December the 18th. Need to get it in by noon on Friday, December the 18th. Then you can pick up that order on Wednesday, December the 23rd between 1030 and 8 p.m., they can do prime rib for you by the pound. They can do whole turkey breasts. They can do whole hams. The side dishes, you want that cornbread dressing? They got it for you, either by the gallon or half gallon, so they can fit whatever size party you're looking to take care of. Give them a call at 205-310-3625. Let Southern Alehouse take care of that holiday catering for you as well. Also want to tell you about Heat Pizza Bar downtown Tuscaloosa. At Government Plaza, football season, always a great time to be at Heat Pizza Bar because Frank and the crew, they understand it. They're as big a football fans as you are, trust me. And so when you go to Heat Pizza Bar, you're not only going to get the very best pizza you've ever put in your mouth, the great appetizers, the great salads, the full bar options that's available to you there at Heat Pizza Bar. You're also going to get a game day experience. Want to watch games? You know what? Sunday NFL all day happy hour there at Heat Pizza Bar downtown Tuscaloosa at Government Plaza.
0: Talking Tide podcast at Podbean.com, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and tune in the Twitter feed. Talking underscore Tide, Chase Goodbread, and Travis Ryer. With you, we're going to take a quick look around a couple of SEC games. We'll touch on Alabama basketball as well. And, Travis, really two games in the league other than the Alabama game uh, to focus on as we close out this episode, starting with LSU upsetting Florida 37-34 and the shoe-throwing incident that will go down as (laughs) perfect for uh, the year 2020. Marco Wilson, the Florida defensive back, uh, gets his hands on the cleat of an LSU receiver, tosses it uh, far enough for the officials to toss a flag. Uh, next thing you know, LSU has got a first down on their way to what became a game-winning field goal. Uh, I'm setting this up on a tee for you, Travis. I'm giving you a 40-ounce bat, and it's a softball. Uh, what, <laughs> what about Marcus, Marco Wilson and this, uh, this thrown shoe?
1: Oh gosh, uh where can we go with the puns, you know? Uh I've seen a million I think on social media in the time since that 23 and a half point underdog went into Gainesville and got the win over the sixth ranked Gators. Uh first of all, give Cade York a lot of credit, man. That was a 57-yarder that he still had to hit, you know? And he drilled it. Yeah. And so in the fog and in those conditions And you can say, well, you know, LSU, what? nothing to play for at that point. I don't don't care who you are. That's a a hell of a kick. So, uh, you know, I've been very much pro Max Johnson, sort of the other true freshman quarterback at LSU to go along with T.J. Finley uh, here in the last, you know, month and a half or so after Miles Brennan was pretty much ruled out for the remainder of the season. I was really impressed with Max Johnson. He wasn't perfect. But he also wasn't afraid, which I guess you should expect that sort of approach from him, given that his father Brad, of course, a former big-time college football quarterback at Florida State and also Super Bowl champion, I guess, too, in the National Football League. So, um, I, I was impressed with LSU, but but for Florida, you know, we can talk about how, how the hell does it even come down to that, Chase? I mean, LSU had a JV team out there, yeah, right? I mean, yep. when you look, ar- you look across that LSU team. No Derek Stingley Jr., no Jamar Chase, no Terrace Marshall Jr. Eric Gilbert had opted out in, in the days leading up to the game. I mean, it was LSU was down to its fourth corner on one side. So we can talk about, and that's what we'll remember most. And it was certainly a, a huge mistake. But how does the game even come down to that? How how are we talking about a game in, in the final? two minutes that that's still competitive it, 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 to me it just should have never come down to that but look you know that's it's O for you too right no, that's it looked Oseron. like
0: unless you wanted it more even though it's to get with the stakes as they were it should, certainly should have been florida wanting it more but it looked it senior looked the other night. way around to me night? yeah the air came Man. out and uh Oh that awful Dan Mullen with do those you, comments on Marco Wilson after the game. I mean, yeah, I get it that he's your player, and if you don't want to rip him with a microphone in front of your face, don't do it. I get that. But you can't defend it either, Travis.
1: Yeah. Uh, which
0: yeah. which is which is, I was
1: surprised. I I've got Dan as the kind of guy that would throw a, a guy under the bus there. I was surprised that Dan didn't do that. Um but do you believe that Kyle Pitts? really wasn't able to go in the game, or do you think dan dan preseasoned it up a little bit and held him out uh
0: I, I can't imagine I, I i gotta think i i'm gonna give Dan mullen the benefit of the doubt there and and yeah. presume that that uh yeah pitts was pitts was unable to go but something I,
1: was up with pitts yeah
0: yeah, yeah it was, you know, it was I,
1: I, 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 some of the stuff I read. Kind of in the aftermath, indicated that there had been some some uh, observations of pits from earlier in the week that indicated that perhaps there was something up with him. Uh, but Dan said Sunday night in that SEC he said tonight in that SEC championship game teleconference with Nick that uh, he was certain that Kyle would be cleared by team doctors this week. <laughs> Positive. <laughs> yeah. 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 Dan Over. Dan, is Kyle Is Kyle going to miss this week too <laughs> Nah 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 nah, nah, nah. <laughs> Bob's country, Bob, bunker. country bunker on him <laughs> Yeah no no, uh-uh. no, no uh-uh. We kind of thought That you know Kyle would be out This week too Dan <laughs>
0: uh, Yeah the bar lady never charges For that first
1: round <laughs> uh, Oh mercy. Blues Brothers The gift that keeps on giving all year long, Clark.
0: Auburn twenty-four, mm. Mississippi State ten. Gus Malzahn gets the can after a two-touchdown victory Oof. over the Bulldogs. Travis and uh, the buyout. Buyouts are the uh, uh, they're quite the topic here with some of these firings of late. Will Muschamp going down a few weeks ago. Well, this is Malzahn buyout, Travis is twenty-one plus million. It's got no offset language in it, apparently. But and-
1: that pandemic. Since yeah, yeah. that pandemic, yeah. there's not going to be any changes. And they just can't afford it.
0: 50% of said 21 plus million, nearly 11 million, due in 30 days, Travis. So it's not yeah. like they even get to parcel yeah. it out. They'll parcel out half of it, uh, but half comes up front for, for Gus. He's going to be okay, I think.
1: That'll buy a lot of raisin toast at the old Waffle House where Gus likes to hang out. Yeah, Gus. How about that jukebox at the Waffle House? Gus gonna be able to load that thing up for like three years, you know, when yeah. he goes in there. But uh, I don't know if Gus dancing in the locker room with his players after beating a bad Mississippi State team was exactly the look that supporters were looking for. But no, good for Gus Malzahn, man. He turned, he turned three wins over Nick Saban and in Alabama into a $21 million golden parachute. That's essentially yep. what he did. Yep. And, and I just don't think Auburn people could trust that he, he, he would beat Alabama again next year at home and it be any more impactful than what it's really been in some of these previous years. I mean, it, it He's got three wins over Alabama, uh, but in two of those seasons, they've lost four more games. Yeah. So, you know, it's if, I, if you're Auburn, you're just thinking, we, we can't let this guy, because he was talking about, well, next year we're going to be really good. Well, if you're an Auburn supporter and you're hearing that, you're like, what he's saying is, we got a good shot of beating Alabama at home again. Mm-hmm. And that's all well and good, but if it involves a four-loss season, Sort of loses its luster, but if he beats Alabama again, you can't fire him. You nope. can't fire him after he beats Alabama. So I, I think that uh, that played into the into the uh, urgency that that we saw from Auburn. But um, yeah, I mean, if you're going to go twenty one mil, that's not a bad way to go, right? And I don't think I don't think Gus going to have a problem finding another job either. No, you know, I, it made me wonder if you're South Carolina, did you? Did you jump too quick with Shane Beamer? Let me ask you this. If you're hiring at South Carolina, if you're Ray Tanner, would you hire Shane Beamer or Gus Malzahn as your next head coach?
0: You got. If you're South Carolina, you take Gus in a minute, in my opinion.
1: Um, Do you think, though, that South Carolina had had enough of the retread approach? Coming off will you know what I mean, yeah, maybe will was that's a, a second that's a fair timer point two, too. yeah, but but we've seen a lot more from will uh from Gus, right? I mean, we've yeah. seen Gus coach in a national championship game i mean he's he's coached in the biggest game in the sport, right, I mean, we didn't see anything close to that from will, so no. yeah, it's an interesting question
0: though he'll land soft, no doubt about it, but yeah jumps, by the way, fun. on to Arkansas state, the uh Alabama. Yeah. Uh, support staff, former Tennessee coach, onto Arkansas State. So uh, I guess that'll offset a little more of his Tennessee buyout, huh? <laughs> uh,
1: yeah, and you you know what all this means too, by the way, right? It's uh, it is officially Jimmy Sexton season. How about Gemma? How about Gemma that twenty one million dollar buyout? Jeez. and 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 Gemma, you know who else Gemma represents? Hugh Freeze, he just keeps winning, Jimmy. You know, Jimmy wins. Jimmy, no matter what, is gonna win.
0: Yeah. As soon as it was determined that there would be college football this fall, it was determined that Jimmy (laughs) was gonna make a whole bunch of money. Uh, That's
1: all. Yeah. Jimmy was probably upset because when they, yeah, yeah. Jimmy was probably upset because when he got when they when they decided they were gonna play. He had to come up from that private island. You know, he's probably just going to private island it, you know, for 12 months, you know, now that they're going to play football, I guess I'll have to head back to the mainland, you know.
0: <laughs> Alabama basketball will close things out right there. The Crimson Tide took on Clemson over the weekend. They come away eight-point losers. Final score 64 to 56 Travis. And uh, the overwhelming theme in this one, Travis, for sure, is Alabama's uh, – Accuracy or lack thereof from three-point range. Three out of twenty-two. If you play the way Nate Oats likes his teams to play, you're you're never going to win with that percentage.
1: And I detect, I continue to detect from you that you're maybe not the biggest fan <laughs> of that Nate Oats style well, of play. I mean, I, a little it, bit. There's a there's a little <laughs> bit. There's a little bit. A little bit of dissent. I detect. In your tone, you know, when I'm you when just you. just in wait and see mode. As <laughs> call well, you know, we're getting into the second year here, and uh, yeah, I mean, I just got play... I got one
0: question: If Nate Oates had inherited Richard Hendricks, would he play 30 minutes a game for Nate Oates? 30 minutes.
1: I th- I I think so. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Dante Hall did, or close to it, right? Yeah.
0: Okay. Okay. Uh,
1: but 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 I'll but I'll put it to you this way. I don't know how many Richard Hendricks's NATOs would have recruited moving forward, right? Yeah.
0: No, that's why I said inherited, because he he's, yeah. he's not. Because look
1: at look at who left after last season and look at who stayed in terms of post. Mm-hmm. Alex Reese stayed. JV and Davis left, right? Yeah. And yeah. and the reason why Reese is still around uh instead of Davis is that he can shoot the three-point shot. But, um, yeah, I mean, it's great that you go 19 of 22 from the free throw line like Alabama did. But with the way they play, three for 22 from beyond the arc isn't going to get you home. And I understand Clemson's a tough team. Clemson won out in terms of the kind of game these two teams wanted to play, uh, obviously. And that's the problem. And it's not just Alabama that plays this way. I mean, so many teams play this way now. Uh, so three point shot dependent. that yeah. if it's not going down, you know, it, it's kind of like pitching in baseball these days. You know, you see all these guys that throw 102, which is great, but if they get in a situation where they're not locating or they're not hitting their spots with their fastball and, and they have to go to something else, well. it's it's probably going to be a long night. That's kind of the way Alabama basketball is with the way it plays.
0: Nate Oates, I got to ask you before we get out of here, Travis, Nate Oates with a blast on coach K, your guy, coach K over the week, uh, turns around and apologizes. uh, And to quickly summarize, he he was asked about uh, coach K's, I guess, inference that maybe it's not even a good idea to be playing college basketball at all right now. And uh, he he says, well, uh, maybe that's, Maybe he's only saying that because he's lost two non-conference games at home. Big hubbub over it. And uh, Oates with the apology. What'd you make of all that?
1: Yeah. You know, I thought it was interesting because Nate hadn't had a problem in the past in saying kind of exactly what he thinks. So, um, and and so, you know, it it was a little bit of a surprise from from that standpoint. Um, You know, in the middle of a pandemic, you also don't want to come off as insensitive, although, you know, Nate Oates himself has been through COVID-19. So he, he very much has a firsthand account of, of what goes into that. But, um, that was interesting for sure. And, uh, you know, I I think that, uh, you, you want to be measured at times with what you say. And again, I, I do think, uh, I do think Nate can speak from a perspective in which uh, he's he's been down that road. So that it may have had something to do with the, the double was, back too.
0: Yeah, it, it almost gave me a sense that there must be something personal between Oates and Kay somehow back in the, you know, who knows when or where or how, and maybe not, you know, as you said, Oates isn't afraid to speak his mind. Uh, But it came off to me as a comment that somebody would only make if they already had some kind of an ax to grind. Um, But uh, at any rate, uh, the apology comes it's water under the bridge. I think they even spoke if I'm not mistaken. So, uh, uh, but I did find it interesting and, you know, it's not something you expect either from uh, a basketball coach at a place like Alabama about a blue blood, right? A Kansas basketball coach, a Duke basketball coach, a UNC coach, et cetera. Uh, it'd be almost, I guess, akin, somewhat akin to David Cutcliffe launching a, a blast at Nick Saban. Um, but,
1: yeah, you know, and, and look, and and this is kind of, It's on the topic, but it's off, but I mean, you also have this situation with Keontae Johnson of Florida collapsing at Florida state over the weekend. looks just like an absolute tragic situation unfolding. And we don't know the details enough at this point. There's certainly been, um, there have been suggestions that, you know, Johnson had been through COVID-19 earlier in the year and with, uh, myocarditis and some of the lingering effects that can come from covid we don't know if that played a role in this situation but uh again kind of with what we're in the middle of i'm thinking maybe maybe nate figured not the best time to to maybe fight that war or on that public of a stage anyway
0: That is going to do it for this edition of the Talking Tide podcast. Be sure to join us midweek when Travis and I preview the SEC championship game, Alabama taking on the Florida Gators. That one, of course, will be in Atlanta. On Saturday night, a 7 p.m. kickoff, and uh, we'll be previewing that one for you midweek right here on Talking Tide. For Travis Ryer of BamaOnline.com and Southern Fried Sports Radio, I'm Chase Goodbread of NFL.com and Crimson Cover Television. We'll talk to you here in a few days on Talking Tide.